Blog Talk Radio. Generations. It is the generation before this generation of madness that is mad. A legacy of insanity gifted to the children of the insane. No passing of discipline or traditions, but rites of guilt, pain, and plagues. A torch of sadness passes. It is the generation of sunshine that has left us sightless, as the children of the blind lead us toward the millennium of darkness. The generation of choice has left us no choices, as our world turns and we devour ourselves. We stare into the eyes of our children, a brilliant reflection of our image, and we blame them for what we see. Welcome to Black Wall Street USA for November the 11th, 2010. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com, and our host this evening is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. We're located in Chicago, but Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National, and we're holding steadfast in our efforts to sustain and increase black businesses across Chicago and the nation. You can check out our websites at www.blackwallstreetchicago.org and www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Our host this evening is Mr. Ron Carter, who is the publisher and editor of South Street Journal and chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. You are listening to a poem from my first book, which is called Generations. And uh, the book is Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions. It is now available on Amazon. Um, It is a part of a five-book series, which ends in 2014. And we hope to very, very soon be traveling across the country asking Black America the tough questions. This evening, uh, we're expecting a call from Mr. Eric Muhammad. He will be our guest out of L.A. Mr. Muhammad is with the Nation of Islam, and he contacted us this week. And it is his intention, and I'm sure he's going to go forth with it, to start a Black Wall Street district in L.A. And we're going to talk to Mr. Carter a little bit more about what the requirements are for being a Black Wall Street district. We are here every Thursday evening from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here on Blog Talk Radio. You can listen on your phone by calling in at 347-326-9477, or you can listen to us directly online at www.blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. You may listen to a rebroadcast of our show at wjpcchicago.com. That's, our show is rebroadcast every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. Once again, our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. You may leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That is how we connect. If you'd like to come on the air or if you'd like to speak to uh, one of our guests, simply press the number 2 and we'll be happy to bring you on the air. We look forward to speaking with you. Now, on December 1st of last year, Ron Carter and I uh, began this show. And uh, believe me, it's rare for me to even keep a job for a whole year. People who know me know I've probably had 100 jobs. 
uh, pretty much changed like the weather. But we, we've stuck to this, and we're going to cover, and we've covered a lot of ground in the past 12 months. And as we welcome our hosts to the show, we, we'd like to ask them to reflect on the past year and the, the many issues that we talked about and the many people that we've talked uh, to across the country. Welcome to the show, Ron Carter. How are you this evening? I'm doing very good, Sonia. How are you? Matter of fact, as I reflect on that, uh, you mean to say it's actually been a year? It has been a year. year. It's been a year. Altogether, I've done 95 shows. This is my 95th show. Mm -hmm. I I was doing a few before I met you. But this is my 95th show, and we have been going since December. Can you believe that? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. And I have to say that uh, I'm kind of surprised myself that uh, you know that it, that it's uh, been this uh, uh, <laughs> it's been this uh, wow. You know, I mean, it has been a uh, a real good experience. Um, we definitely met many people. Uh, had many discussions. Uh, a lot of it has been centered around uh, Black Wall Street, but we have went beyond the just the norm of business, uh, where we have tackled uh, many issues, and especially as it relates to the title of your book, um, that has been a key focus as well. Um, so a, a lot of range of issues we have addressed um and some have turned out to be so surprising uh when we least suspect it so um no um it it did catch me by surprise that it's been a year i haven't even thought about it until you just mentioned it um <laughs> but the relationships that we have built the uh, connections and the enthusiasm that we have received by many people have been just as much as a, a reward in, in doing it. Uh, so it's been a reward for the many people that has been a part of it as well. So, yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I think that it's important, and I think we just kept on rolling with it, kept on rolling with it. Uh, we really haven't changed the format of the show. The, the format of the show has stayed exactly the same. Uh, the focus of the show has stayed exactly the same. Uh, the direction has stayed exactly the same, and that is to reach out across America. It started locally until uh, we began speaking to Michael Carter, uh, the national president. Uh, we were locally focused uh, at the beginning. But now as we move on and as we grow, we are nationally focused. Uh, as a, for the example, we hope that we're going to hear from Eric Muhammad this evening from L.A. And uh, I think tools like this, like blog talk radio, like websites, or even uh, more so the talk shows uh, that the that Internet has opened up and permit us to have a tool and a voice, whereas, and I, I'm almost going to say hundreds of thousands of thousands of people would not have that same voice because I doubt uh, if ABC, CBS, CEN, and um, all the radio stations that they are could accommodate what the Internet accommodates and know what they, know what they play from the things that they play. But uh, across the country, 
so many voices, so uh, many things are being talked about. And if and if I refer back to my book, Black America, asking ourselves the tough questions. If and I know you're very busy, I probably listen to blog talk radio more than you do. But if you were to scan across blog talk radio, um, the number and it's specifically speaking of African Americans who have shows who are political politically based and business based is quite numerous and right. Blog Talk Radio is just only one tool. Uh as a matter of fact you were on Harold Arnold's show last Sunday. Um mm-hmm. which is business and real estate oriented. So we have so many voices that uh because of Blog Talk Radio mm-hmm. and other internet radio stations that two years ago was not here at all or for in our case a year ago was almost a year ago was not even conceived that we would even have a show. Um, So we've had a show. Well, you definitely put it out there. I think that when you first introduced it to Black Wall Street, I just said, hmm. And with that, hmm, it turned out to uh, aha uh, based on the type (laughs) of uh, response and the uh, just the dialogue and the communications. uh, being a host of the program with you, it, it tends to help us to be a lot more focused and a lot more. Uh, well, I guess the only thing that we haven't had uh, is some international callers. Or have and that's true. I don't. I don't right. recall. Uh, I don't recall any international callers. Um, yeah, but all over the country, we have had callers from. Uh, 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 well, you know, I think we have not had a caller from Florida. Well, I, I can't say for sure, but you know, I did a show with you. The first show I did with you before we did a show was with the former Mrs. Muhammad Ali. And she was in Florida, come to think of. You remember oh, that with Bobby Johnson? Yeah. And uh, Kalila yeah, right. Okay, correct, correct, okay. correct, correct. That yeah. was even I don't... before your show started, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't know why Florida jumped in my head, but for some <laughs> reason I, I, I recall many cities that have uh, been part of it, uh, but that one just so happens to just a pop in my head. And uh, just went on in South Florida, you know. So it yeah, seems like the, the uh, Northeast call, like we had a call from New York, Northeast, Boston, up in Virginia. Um, well, that's a little bit more southern, I guess. Depends on where it's in Virginia, California. Uh, well, we get calls from Chicago, but not generally Midwest. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I'm not sure what the difference is, or I'm not even quite sure how they find us. They find us in different ways, uh, Facebook. They find us uh, from other, because they are on blog talk themselves, and they have talk shows. They find us because of the name. Um, They locate us because of ChicagoSlackBusinessNetwork.com. And I think, and also this year, uh, which when I started doing Black Wall Street USA, I actually stopped doing my show, come to tell you about it. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of time. It's a, it takes a lot of energy. And uh, just like Black uh, Wall Street took you over, <laughs> it took me over, mm-hmm. too. 
because originally it was started as a tool for Chicago's Black Business Network members to talk about their products and services, and I and I really need to go back and service them in that way again because I really enjoyed it. and It really is a great tool. But then we move on to different things when we did the Let's Meet on the Street, which is networking. It it serves the same purpose but a little bit different. Uh, and that's something that's growing. It grows a little bit each time. And it's strange because we have different people each time. Isn't that strange? Um, yeah. It's a whole new it's a whole new group of people uh, that come. The ones that came last time may not come this time. So we meet different people each time. And it's hard to know uh, how many people we've actually reached in the past year do, through different uh, media through the radio, through the networking, through the summits, uh, a lot of people that we may not even realize. And we talked about the fact that people listen and don't call in and we don't know who they are. Uh, we have uh, quite a few of those listeners. But it's been it's been a good year, Mr. Carter. It's been a good year. Oh, yeah. Where are we going from here, Mr. Carter? Well, uh, where we're going from here, um, I believe that as we bark on the uh, the next summit of December 4th, uh, I believe that uh, Black Wall Street is getting ready to take uh, a certain type of spin. Uh, and I have to say that spin is going to be bit a little bit on politics as we uh, move to the automatic and the mayor elections here in Chicago on February the 22nd uh, because this coming Monday there will be a lot of candidates that's going to be filing petitions. And as we have uh, identified 11 black Wall Street districts just in Chicago alone, not talking about around the country, um, there is some uh, some political accountability of a legislative agenda from the local, state, and the federal level. Uh, so, and but with that in mind, how is that going to? How is Chicago going to set an example for other cities? Um, and I can say that Chicago have kind of speeded up. Black Wall Street nationally based on us having uh, so many districts um, and also having the first summit here and as we move to the next summit next year in Baton Rouge. So, but I think the uh, our talk format is pretty open to the point that we are focused on business, but uh, there is um, 2011, we're moving from one decade, going into another decade. So do decades tell a story? Do decades have a different uh, life of its own, uh, regardless of what we plan to do? Uh, so this is the end of 2010, and we're getting ready to go into another decade, uh, another 10 years. Uh, what can we expect for the next 10 years? How are we going to set the motion for the next 10 years? Uh, naturally, uh, that's going to have a lot to do with how I move myself personally uh, being a candidate for alderman. 
which is a, it's a new venture for me, uh, but more than a venture, it's a new responsibility. Uh, so your question, where we go from here, um, maybe, you know, we had a program uh, that we did not follow up on, Sonia, some time ago. In that program, somebody came uh, and they was talking about the Cosmo relationship to where we're going, and it hasn't got anything to do with our plans, but it got something to do with the universe and the sun and the stars, and it's already in motion of what we're getting ready to bark upon. Do you recall that program? I do recall that you and Hussein wanted to I get all what the deep subject and, was. All, all deep and heavy, and it went yeah, universal. And, and, oh my God! Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, talks about how the sun, the universe, it is not in our hands, and it wasn't so much of a spiritual uh, position that the caller had, but he talked about how the whole cosmo astrology effect where we're going from here. Uh, does that have anything to do with decade to decade or century to century? You know, um, I think at one time, you know, many times, uh, uh, I believe in the year 1976, uh, people were saying that's going to be the end of the world. <laughs> In 1976, uh, it was the year, I think they said, the year 2000. Uh, the world is going to come to an end because of the uh, the computers going to be off balance. And the government, even the government got involved in what's going to happen to our whole uh, uh, communications with each other based on, uh, I forgot what it was called, uh, Something had to do with the year 2000. And uh, why 2000 and nothing yeah, happened? Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, the nothing whole really country, happened. the whole world was on a frizzy about uh -huh. how we're going to be getting all off base. So uh, your question again, where we go from here, uh, does it have anything to do with what we put in place? Uh, does it have something more greater than us based on the universe and is it um a a question of what uh the almighty has put in place to happen do we have any influence on it uh what we do today does that have an effect on uh tomorrow uh, even as as little as we are as uh specks in the universe um on this earth, we know that individuals can make a great big difference. Not to say that we're um, uh, Muhammad or, or Jesus Christ or, uh, or, or Buddha or any of the um, the, the, the spiritual uh, people of God, but our own individual efforts even to the point if it's uh, Barack Obama saying that he was going to be president, uh, maybe about what I know, he said he was going to be president of the United States, somewhat maybe about four years prior to him announcing. 
So how much can one individual have an effect, not so much about the cosmetic effect of the universe, but with one individual putting in motion how they're going to affect the course of history. So what is your take on where we go from here? You listen to Black Wall Street USA with Ron Carter, who wants to get all combos today, <laughs> and uh, I believe <laughs> he's going. He's going that way too. Before we bring our guest on, and Mr. Muhammad is on the line, uh, I'll simply say uh, I don't get complicated, but I do believe in planting seeds, and I know uh, simply by what they call universal law, you must plant seeds; otherwise, nothing will happen. Let's bring our guest to the air, uh, Ron. Welcome to the show, Mr. Muhammad. How are you this evening? Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm great, and I hope that you all are great also. Well, our pleasure having you on uh, this um, uh, Chicago's Black Business Network and also Black Wall Street um, Block Radio. Um, so um, I've got information that your thoughts have been focused on uh, the Black Wall Street. Um, how did this come about with you? Um, I had uh, taken an interest in the story of Black Wall Street some uh, 20 years ago when the book, when uh, Mr. Williams and MJ, they first wrote the book. And also being an um, active member in the Nation of Islam and looking at the condition of our people across America and looking at the uh, vibrant economic uh, environment in America that we were not participants in as a collective, I saw that there is a need for us to to come together and use and pool our resources for the benefit of our community. Um, outside of my personal involvement in the nation, I hadn't found many organizations that were working on that on a national level. Um, being one who attended the Million Man March and the um, the oath that we took with regards to what we would do and go back and build our communities, I've always been looking for us as men and women to come together so we can continue to provide the things that the inner city does not have for us. If you notice with the gentrification and the business environment in most places, except for in our our black Wall Street districts, thank God, you'll find that most of the business owners don't look like us. Most of the dollars we spend, we don't spend with us. Um, our money doesn't circulate in our community one time. So when I saw a group of people coming together for the purpose of collective economics, it was only a wise choice with a family man with children and want to get involved in the future and a religious man who understands that God only helps those who help themselves. And under the guidance of a divine man like the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, Getting involved in an organization like Black Wall Street was only the sound thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, even though taking the historical uh, point of Black Wall Street, that uh, it wasn't so much of uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that the black community there stated that they were going to build them a Black Wall Street. It was basically the Caucasians that made the statement that those black folks had a black Wall Street going on, and then they kind of uh, accepted the term. 
but went on about their daily businesses of taking care of their own, not having no focus of what they are calling themselves. But uh, since that was in 19, 1920s that that was happening, uh, the concept of Black Wall Street has, is not new. Uh, even if we're speaking of um, Marcus Garvey uh, and naturally the uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad or uh, many uh, leaders have directed us uh, to, to where we are now. What do you see has been the gap, even from the point of even the Nation of Islam, as it was key in really speaking what Black Wall Street is speaking today, and how the Nation of Islam basically did have the businesses and did have uh, uh, the focus of uh, self-help and do for ourselves and nation time economy. Um, what happened, do you think, that the black community did not catch on then, even before uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad of Marcus Garvey and others as well have sent the message of where we need to, what we need to do economically? What happened that we as a whole have not caught on to that? Can you expound on um, that? My personal opinion is that when you have people who do not know themselves and do not know the benefit of doing for self, they will depend on others. We came out of the um, institution of slavery without the ability to integrate into a society that did not want us. So that caused us to go out and do for self. Then someone saw the economic benefit behind us doing for self and decided that they would put laws in place that would allow us not to do for self. Uh, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with the um, the Nation of Islam Restart, Research Department's new uh, release on the secret relationship between blacks and Jews, but the, the underlying title of that is how the Jewish community controlled the black economy. Well, when you have laws that are put into place for people not to be able to control their own economic base, when you have laws that are put into place to keep individuals, black individuals, from being able to do for self and provide for self, then you will become systematically um, and psychologically put in the position where you don't see the benefit of doing for self. Now, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad came and built an economic base for the black community that we could all use and benefit from. But because we are so sometimes caught up in labels instead of substance, you know, we look over, that's the, those are the Muslims over there and we're the Christians over here. But we're all suffering from the same condition. And until we understand that America is a country that's living, you know, and going currently into a, a great depression with the dollar falling, with the uh, food go costs going up, with the inner cities looking like they look economically, with back, black businesses at an all-time low in comparison to what we had prior to um, us integrating into the society 
that we currently are integrated into. If you look on television, we have no representation to any products that we actually produce. So until we get a collective mind that tells us we need to take a step back, we need to reevaluate the resources we have, we need to pull together and begin to buy farmland, first of all, because we have to feed ourselves, make clothing plants so somebody else can stop dressing us, put up hospitals so we don't have to get the worst health care, until we do all of those things, we are only going to be subject to what we currently have, and that's a living condition that's pretty much borderline less than a third world country. Mm-hmm. So with all of that, I know well we had a um, we had a Black Wall Street meeting today, and after the meeting, uh, there was general conversation, and we came to a conclusion when I think we was looking out our window and we seen some uh, other nationalities doing the gardening in front of our office. Uh, And so we started the conversation, why are those people uh, doing this gardening and ours are not? Our conclusion was that we were systematically put in a position of not wanting to be laborers. Uh, rather, we have a complex of of slavery that we did not want to be laborers, or we have a or the other part of the uh, conversation was that we were systematically uh, taught in this present day history not wanting to be laborers. Um, and do how can you relate to that based on us being able to? control the economics even from just the minor labor work? I heard the most the Honorable Louis Farrakhan say that a person that controls the diameter of your thinking subscribes the circumference of your activities. So we go to school. We go to school and in going to school we get a degree. We get the degree, and we come out and we look for a job because that's what school allows you to do. Now, others, when they go to school, they come out and they make jobs for others. So as long as we're looking for somebody else to do something that we can do for ourselves, we'll never get out of the economic condition that we're in. You know, you say laborers. Anybody that goes to college today is coming out looking for a job. I heard in Chicago that there were right now 500 PhDs that were doing, you know, manual labor. Now, these are educated people. These are people who have the highest education in America, but they can't find the work. Now, if you have a PhD, it should allow you to be able to go out and create a job. So what is it about the educational system that we currently are being subject to that's not allowing us to be able to come out and create a job when we need everything? The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, and uh, I thank God for the Honorable Louis Farrakhan and his guidance and him putting together the nine ministries that the Nation of Islam is now participating in so we can become more independent for serving our community with all of their needs because eventually, if you look at our community, businesses are going away, hospitals are going away, schools are worse than they've ever been, our streets are the worst. We have black aldermen and we have black congressmen and we have a black president. But it seems not to change the condition of the environment that we're in, 
based on because we don't understand how to use the political system like others do. We don't have, understand how to use the economic system like others do. And we don't understand how to come out and make a job because we've always looked to go into a trade or uh, some type of um, labor force instead of going to create the jobs that are necessary for the labor force to have. You wouldn't expect a person who came from Armenia not to hire Armenians. You wouldn't find a, a Korean gentleman that did not hire Koreans. You certainly won't find a Caucasian man that will not hire Caucasians. But you will find plenty of black people who are currently have an, a lack of love of self that will look beyond their own first because what's that old age? Well, you know, I, I want to hire the brother, but what is he going to, how is he going to act? Well, if we're taught better, we'll do better. If we continue to help one another, we can grow beyond the impediments we have and become the type of communities that we see develop all around us. So there's a great adage that we've all heard. A fool and his money are what? Quickly parted. And I think that that's pretty much what we have right now in our community is that we are foolish people who don't follow great examples nor great leadership. We don't get behind a leadership that is for our benefit. You know, um, I'm not sure if you had an opportunity, but I got a chance to attend the Million Man March. I yes, got a chance I was to right up in front. Yes, sir. Well, I, then you know that what that day was for us as black men, and you know you saw what unity could do. But we have to get behind leadership. We have to get behind leadership that's uncompromising. We have to get behind leadership that's only working for the benefit of the entire humanity. We have to get behind leadership that's going to allow us the ability to, to get beyond the socioeconomic problems that we have as a people. And until we find that leadership, which is right there in Chicago with you. Well, you know, we have had um, a, a question of leadership here in Chicago. Um, if you may not be aware, I'm also a newspaper uh, publisher and editor. And we did a story on just that leadership. Uh, matter of fact, we did the story maybe about three times in the past uh, 16 years. And in the recent, um, uh, maybe not recent, but maybe about a year ago, uh, we did a story about uh, we held the two most, no, we have the three most prominent black men uh, on earth here in Chicago. Uh, the uh, minister, Louis Farrakhan, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, and Barack Obama. And each one of those uh, black men, they neither live or their office are maybe about in four-block walking distance in the community called Hap Heart. So we looked at the the might of the leadership here in Chicago uh, from these three um, prominent, well, worldwide leaders in Chicago, but yet Chicago is still one of the most suppressed um cities in America when it comes to uh, black uh, independence, black wealth, and it's nowhere near parity uh, to the other population. Um, so the question was, um, 
are we basically organized to be disorganized or our leadership is not able to uh, develop us where we need to be? Uh, how do you address that? You made it um, an example of whom I believe is the greatest black leader to ever exist among us under uh, in the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Under the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, there was a, we had a black a bank on Stony Island. We owned property. There was um, farmland. 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 We had everything that a nation would need and moving toward international. We're doing international business also. But you can't use the example of what the current leadership has in place and make it benefit for yourself because the system is not set up for us to benefit from. So until we make a decision that it's not business as usual, it's not business as usual that's going to allow us to get to where we need to go. It's going to be a change in our thinking, a change in our application, a change in our direction that's going to make us be able to go where we want to go and getting in line with what God has going on for us at this time. So until we do that, we're going to continue to suffer the same problems that we've always had. Now, we have um, um, – I was here at the, um, the honor of being in the uh, presence uh, of the palace with uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan uh, maybe about a year ago. And at that time, uh, I raised the question to uh, the minister about Black Wall Street. And as I raised that question, uh, the minister, it was a a group of us um, around the table, and, and I raised the issue about Black Wall Street and what we're doing in relationship to it. And he indicated, brother, you need to come and sit up here by me. But so happens there was no more chairs. But he stated that he would want the nation to be involved with uh, Black Wall Street. Um, and that was a year and a half ago. There has been some communications. When you're speaking of the Black Wall Street in L.A., is this here a relationship with the nation was this here is in relationship uh, to a, uh, another type of organizing uh, effort? This is in relationship to Black Wall Street USA. Okay. I'm a member of the Nation of Islam. I believe in Black Wall Street USA. There's not one national or local black organization that Black Wall Street in any city should not be a part of. All organizations that represent black people should be a part of Black Wall Street, and vice versa. And when we look at uh, the nature of Black Wall Street, there uh, there are many. Uh, um, how can I put it? There's many different uh, concepts of Black Wall Street. Uh, there is naturally as Black Wall Street USA, our agenda is to sustain and increase black businesses, and we do it in the form of uh, uh, Black Wall Street districts. Uh, but yet there is the term Black Wall Street has been used 
as it relates to a rap group, music, financial institutions, a black Wall Street game. Um, how do you perceive L.A. would uh, gravitize or identify with black Wall Street? And I'm saying that I used to live in L.A. I went to school to UCLA and LACC. Given the model and the template of Black Wall Street USA from Oakland, California, would you look at using that as a district or a, a or what manner would you perceive LA to embrace a Black Wall Street district? I look at it as when you look at the human body, you have many, you have nine systems, you have many organs, you have those organs and systems connected to a brain, uh, that brain is connected to the body, and all of them together allow you to function for progress for yourself. If you look at yourself as an individual, you can only get the results for the individual area you're in. So when I look at Black Wall Street Los Angeles, as we move to bring those black businesses, or any business operating in the black community who is generating revenue or economics from the black community, we have to assure that the community that they're in is benefiting from their business. Now, when you look at Black Wall Street, when I look at Black Wall Street USA, I don't look at it as Chicago, L.A., um, Newark, or, where you know, Baton Rouge. I look at it like what I've been taught under the Nation of Islam, under the guidance of the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. It's a nation. You know, no man can rise above the condition of a person in his nation. If if there's one man living on the street, we all need to solve the problem for that one man living on the street. If we have a condition that's economics, if we go about it, well, I'm in Chicago, I'm going to do my thing. And I'm in L.A., and I'm going to do my thing and we're not trying to solve a collective problem for all of black America, then we will still not be successful. So uh, so based on the, give you the, the landscape, and I'm, I'm trying to get this understanding based on the, uh, the, the... For L.A. specifically? Yeah, well, yeah, for L.A. Okay, well, L.A. wants to be, I noticed that there wasn't, sir? Is it, uh, is it a geographical identification for L.A. for Black Wall Street, or am I to what I hear you that you're looking at? It would be a representation of L.A. as a whole when it comes to Black Wall Street. It will be a representation of the geographical representation of the whole. Of course, we we're in Los Angeles. You're in Chicago. But just as we move collectively, when we have a conference, everybody comes to one place for the benefit of the whole. So our actions actually every day are a collective for the benefit of the whole. But that's how I would see it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we are um, just trying to look at the landscape of L.A. and mm-hmm. looking at uh, Chicago, where mm-hmm. we have uh, 11 Black Wall Street districts uh, mm-hmm. from the west side, uh, the south side, and Peoria, Illinois, and also looking at Gary, uh, Indiana. Uh, would you look at a Black Wall Street district to uh, be identified in L.A.? Oh, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. 
what, what yes, I, I would look at LA. Would you say that? What well, that could be? Um, actually, I spoke with Mr. Michael Carter yesterday, who is oh, okay. uh, the chairman of Black Wall Street USA. Is that am I correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. And he has um, since appointed me the point person here for Black Wall Street Los Angeles. Great, great. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Um, it wasn't something I was expecting, but since I called, and you, you know very well how it goes. <laughs> yes, 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 I do. So you know how <laughs> Brother Michael works. <laughs> if you inquire, you the man. <laughs> Yes. Uh, you know, so that's yeah. kind of, you know, appointment by asking a question. <laughs> uh-huh. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's the process by which that uh, I've been blessed with the opportunity to try to bring people together for the benefit of the community. And um, I, I think the model that you guys have in Chicago is a good model because it brings many good minds to the forefront. And to have a brother like you who is working for the behalf of the community and running for alderman, it could only strengthen everyone else who's a part of what you have in Chicago. But what I saw here in Los Angeles is we didn't have any representation, and that something is growing forward, and we're looking at an economic base in the United States that's completely falling apart. If we don't put something else up for our people in place now, if we don't put some stores and some ability to bring food, clothing, shelter to our communities now. See, when when I look at Wall Street, I dealt in um, currencies, commodities, and some other things in my lifetime. And when I see Wall Street in New York, I see every business in the world generating trillions of dollars for those gentlemen there doing business for themselves, which generate money for all of the businesses that we business and corporations that we currently see that's how i view black wall street i see that if you come up with the ability to have farmland in the south then i have a store a store in south central that needs your product that means that my brother who is in indiana who has a trucking company brings it to me and my brother who has a gas company in Texas, supplies him the gas. And my brother, who has a shipping company in Los Angeles, takes it to my brother in Hawaii so we can do business. Right. Okay. Um, I can't recall the um, the, the demographics. Uh, we normally have a demographics of uh, the major cities in the United States and how they rate uh, among um, black businesses. Um can you tell me what's the population of blacks in Los Angeles, and uh, is there a uh, uh, a parity of black businesses with that population? Um, if there's last time I looked, and I haven't looked in a while, but of course, due to this new appointment, I've been instructed to find all of those stuff, things out as yeah. of yesterday. This happened, so I'm actually supposed to have this information to our brother today. <laughs> but I'm on the phone with you right now because of the uh, uh, the our sister who was wanted to make sure that I got an opportunity to be on the show, and I thank her for calling me. I had uh, much um, trepidation about doing it because you know sometimes you always want to stay in the back, but you know God has a way of taking that away from you and putting you in a place where you need to be to do what you can possibly do until somebody can come along and do it greater than you, and then you move out of the way and help them. 
Right. Well, I can admit I understand that you do have to go shortly. Is that correct? Uh, yes, but I, I will be able to call back in if I need to. Okay. Uh, well, based on just the experience of being the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago for the past uh, uh, three years now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, matter of fact, going on three years. Uh, and how would you? We definitely have had opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that opposition definitely is from within. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also the big picture of Chicago, which is Absolutely. called a uh, Chicago's CMAP 2040 plan in which uh, the city of Chicago voted last month on what Chicago is going to look like in the year 2040. Is there such plans that you know of as it relates to Los Angeles? We know that every city planner in America has a 100-year plan, Mm -hmm. and we know that they all plan out what the city is going to look out 100 years in advance. So I might not personally know what it is, but I know that the way that they have structured the the, the um, layout and understanding of how they do political business and how they do city planning, I know that it exists. So mm-hmm. right now, I can say in the Crenshaw District, there's a plan to change the entire t- Crenshaw District into an area of homes that are unaffordable for blacks to live in. So obviously, anytime you have that, you know, I'm quite sure the people who have moved into the suburbs with the price of gas in Chicago have decided, hey, I sure wouldn't mind living in Chicago if I can get rid of all those people who have those houses. So, mm-hmm. so if I get rid of the if I get rid of the jobs, they have to move. I come Ooh. in and build a better house, and everything will look like high Park mm-hmm. on the south side. So uh, I do remember the Crenshaw uh, Boulevard, and all, you know that was uh, I'm speaking about in the uh, the 70s uh, that I remember it. Um, so you're saying that that is in those uh, apartment dwellings? Are you stating that all of that is to be uh, demolished or something? Or well, they've mapped out an area that goes from Western to Crenshaw. I believe from Slauson all the way up to uh, the 10 freeway of which they're going to make some changes. Um, I'm going to close with this. I think we have a great opportunity with Black Wall Street. I think that if we use the guidance of a man who's been given to us to guide us out of condition, like the Alma Lewis Farcom, and we use get his understanding of what we should do. Now, this is my personal opinion, and you've said that you sat down and he wants to be a part of it. I would suggest that you reach back out for him because as a man tries to build for everybody, and internationally and nationally, of course, time gets taken up. So um, my suggestion, Brother Ron, is, a, you know, send a message over there, say I would like to have that meeting, um, sit down and get some guidance from him. Sit down and get some guidance from him on what direction we need to go in, and I guarantee you, by God's grace, we'll be more than successful. I would like to say to Sister Purdue, thank you for asking me. Thank you for having me. Uh, This is my first ever radio interview. (laughs) I appreciate (laughs) you all calling me. I did not intend to make the announcement of what Brother Michael put on me, but since you did not know and you were asking me about it, but you did know that there wasn't a chapter here. I thought it was only fair that I 
relay that to you. Anytime that you need me for anything, even in the next 15 minutes as a dad, I got to, you know, make sure I go take my daughter where she needs to go. Because <laughs> right. that's right. what Black Wall Street is all about, making sure yeah. that we have a future for our children. You're right. So You're right. with that, I'll call back in about 10 minutes, and if you need me to get back on the show, I will. Thank you so All very right. much for having me. May God bless you both. Keep up the good work. And I say in unity and in peace and under the guidance of God, we will be successful because that is the destiny of every black man and woman in America. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you, Mr. Muhammad. Thank you so much. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. That was our guest, Mr. Eric Muhammad from the Nation of Islam in L.A. And uh, just to just to uh, recap a little bit, Ron, Mr. Muhammad called uh, yesterday and for information, and he got the right person who is me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm right on it. Uh, he wanted to know uh, about becoming a Black Wall Street district and who would he speak to. And uh, I got on the phone, and I called Michael uh, right there. I can, I, can, I, can, I can imagine the conversation. <laughs> uh, now, Michael was, uh, he. Uh, uh, I went into his answer machine, uh, mm-hmm. and I thought about it a little bit. I said, that's interesting. Uh, called Mr. Muhammad back, asked him to be on the show, and that's how we roll. Once again, you're listening to Black Wall Street USA. Uh, We're here every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., right here on blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477, and our chat room is open. You can press the number one if you'd like to speak to our host, and uh, our guest will probably be back. And uh, he did quite well for his first show. Uh, well-spoken man. We look forward to connecting with him. We also uh, rebroadcast every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at WJPCChicago.com. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back uh, with Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue. Thank you.
tough question number one. Imagine that you are a black man, and the year is 1955. You're walking down the street in a community known as Bridgeport in Chicago, and four white men pull up beside you in a Chevy. Are you afraid? Imagine the year is 1964, and you are a young black man driving down a dark road on your way to Meridian, Mississippi, with two Jewish associates. When you see the bright lights of a car in your rearview mirror, then you see a flashing red light and know that it is a police vehicle. Do you feel safe or are you forever regretful? Imagine as a black man in the year 2010, you're driving through Chicago's Inglewood community and you quite appropriately stop at a stop sign. Before you can pull off, four black men pull up next to your car. Are you scared? Where do you as a black American feel safe? Where do you feel threatened? Why are we still afraid? Haven't we been afraid long enough? You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com and author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010. Our host this evening is Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, publisher and editor of South Street Journal for more than 16 years and candidate for alderman in the 17th Ward. What you were just listening to is an excerpt, excerpt, from my first book, uh, Black America Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions. If you look at our CBBN talk page, uh, show page right here, you will see the uh, question printed out for you. Um, this is the first book in a, a five-part Q&A session uh, that was published this year. This series of books will challenge Black America to collectively engage in a dialogue that I will, be, I believe, will initiate solutions to our collective concerns and issues. Pretty much like this show. Pretty much uh, like what Black Wall Street USA, what we've been doing every Thursday for a year here. My vision for the 2014 publication, Black America: Our Questions Answered. Uh, watch for TV and radio uh, broadcasts as we travel across this country and ask Black America the tough questions. You can pick up a copy uh, at Amazon.com. And wanted to share that my first book discussion and signing will be Tuesday, November 30th at the Avalon Library in Chicago. That's November the 30th, 2.30 p.m. to 4 p.m. Avalon Library is located at 8148 South Stony Island. I'm very excited about that. Um, if you're listening and you're in the Chicago area, please come out and join us. We appreciate that. Want to talk about? Want to bring uh, Ron Carter, our host, back on the air, and uh, welcome back, Ron. And Thank want to you, talk Sonia. about some of these, some Black Wall Street events that are coming up. We do have a listener on the line. Uh, uh, we're going to get to you in one moment, but let's talk about what's coming up for Black Wall Street. Now we know that the uh, summit is coming up November the seventh. Oh, excuse me, Saturday. December the 4th. I got all these dates Thank in my you. Thank you. Saturday, December the 4th. Okay. All right. I get that. I get that. Uh, it will be at the Prince Hall Masonic Temple located at 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago. That's going to be from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And part of the meeting this morning was uh, reviewing that agenda and setting that up. We're going to have a continental breakfast and light lunch. 
Ron, tell our listeners what to expect from this 14th Economic Summit. Yes, yes, 14. Um, all eyes on the district. That's the other uh, theme of this coming uh, summit. And we're looking at all eyes on the district because that is the foundation of if once we're talking about, and I just have to uh, say heads off to uh, Black Wall Street, because when we talk about a black agenda, uh, it means many things to many people when we talk about that. Uh, but it just so happens as we look at the landscape of Chicago, the only field touch C agenda for Chicago is the Black Wall Street districts. That means uh, on the west side of Madison Street, on the south side from uh, 43rd Street, 51st Street, 75th Street, 79th Street West, 79th Street East, uh, Stony Island, uh, Peoria, Illinois, and even Gary, Indiana is on the map of becoming a Black Wall Street. This is a, a, a substance that is tangible when we talk about a black agenda. And so all eyes are on the districts for this here particular summit. And all eyes are on these districts as it relates to the big picture of Chicago. We Naturally, we had our Thursday morning meetings of Black Wall Street, and we discussed the uh, the formation of what Chicago is going to look like for the year 2040. And with that, we've seen an absence of a black agenda of the community. And, yeah, we had some laughs this morning because we asked for the, the, the map of what Chicago is going to look like. They just gave us a regular map. So that kind of pissed us off. So we're going to be having uh, these mayoral candidates. Chicago probably have maybe about 15 candidates that's going to be running for mayor. Some of those candidates, majority of them, I'll call them cowards because if Chicago was in need of a black, uh, no, I'm sorry, a black mayor or a new mayor, period, they would have stepped up to the plate prior to Mayor Daley saying that he was not going to run again. But we want to hold those people accountable. We are inviting them to the summit uh, to take part in our agenda for the Black Wall Street districts as it relates to the overall city planning. And also we're going to be focusing on youth. We're going to be focusing on black contractors in the neighborhood. Uh, we're going to be focusing on a presentation from each of the districts that uh, Chicago is part of for the Black Wall Street. And naturally we're going to have a legislative agenda. So, But even prior to our summit on December the 4th, there are meetings and activities leading up to it. Um, naturally, um, was it next Tuesday? We have our um, youth leadership meeting, and where we're going to be focusing on the different agencies and organizations that address youth uh, at our summit. Uh, taking in consideration, it is summit 14. Whenever we do not have youth on the agenda, 
eyes buck, eyes raise, voices uh, come out. Where is the youth when we're talking about Black Wall Street and the Black Agenda? Another issue come up is where are the religious leaders? So we have uh, over the past three and a half years, uh, there has been over 40 resolutions. And I have to say when people come to a Black Wall Street uh, summit is just that. A summit is the peak. It is the peak of the issues on those that are involved in the peak of the issues, and it is our accountability of what we propose to do, what we're going to do, and also what we have not done and how we need to step up to the plate. And it's not so much of what Black Wall Street is doing, but it is also all the other entities that are related to sustaining and increasing black businesses. So the summit, uh, an all-day session like it always, starting at 8 o'clock in the morning and ending at 4.30. Sometimes it's uh, a little shorter than 4.30, and other times it may go over. Uh, But that is the makeup of people coming together, voting on resolutions and directions and how we're going to sustain uh, our black agenda through the concept and through the mechanism of black Wall Street districts throughout Chicago. So, yes, that's the summit, uh, Sonia. Um, and naturally, prior to the summit, there are meetings with, uh, there have been meetings with um, Will Davis, who is the uh, chairman of the Illinois Black Caucus. Uh, and uh, we also met with uh, Connie Howard, a state representative. And so we're dialoguing with organizations and with groups uh, leading up to the summit, and which we are looking at to have our final agenda for the summit. What day is that, Monday or Tuesday, Sonia? Uh, Monday, Ron, you should have the final agenda for the summit. Okay, and so we're going to be pushing it out, and believe we have a. We normally have a, a free admission to the summits, but this time uh, this is a business organization, and it do take money to operate. So we're looking at an admission of ten dollars per person uh, to take part in the voting and the information and the dialogue and the networking. Uh, to move us uh, even closer to our agenda of sustaining our economics, not just sustaining, but increasing and going beyond. And that's all eyes on the district on Saturday, December 4th. Black Wall Street will host its 15th Economic Summit at Prince Hall Masonic Temple, located at 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago. That's 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And, yes, they do. They go all day. Uh, Rod is going to permit us a lunch break this time, but we will have a continental <laughs> breakfast. And, and it will have to be a fight about that, believe me. been fighting for three Four summits. Ever since I've been over here to have a lunch break, he's only going to eat yeah, in minutes. This is <laughs> the first time we have. Yeah, you're right. This is the first time 
that we're ever going to have a lunch break. It's normally you you eat while you're working. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to actually have a 30-minute lunch break during the course of the day. I think that you made that proposition. I've been yeah, making it for three did. summers. <laughs> we're going to serve a continental breakfast. He's stubborn. We're going to have a continental breakfast and a light lunch, and uh, we look forward to right. seeing all of you there. We've had uh, an uh, if we look back at the records, we've had uh, more than 800 people at these quarterly summits. This is every quarter that Black Wall Street has sort of a general assembly meeting or summit, and we look forward okay. to having you having you with us uh, throughout that entire day. Want to mention that, uh, and we're going to go to the phone lines in one moment. That Tuesday, this Tuesday, November 16th, we will be at the Mid America Club from. 5.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. This is a free event. This is the, the event that Ron Carter was mentioning that is uh, an invitation to the youth organizers and leaders across the city to join us and connect at this event. Uh, call us for more details and to be added to our mailing list for updates on this event. It's turning out very well. The numbers are increasing. Uh, the total premise of, of this event uh, when I put out this blast in this, this email and was thinking about what it is I wanted to create here, uh, I wanted to create a connection for youth organizations. Being Black Wall Street being a nonprofit itself, it's not easy. So I wondered how, uh, as part of what we can do, that we can have the youth organizations connect. As they connect, what we're asking them, and we're going to have a survey going out probably tomorrow. We're asking each of them about their services, but also as part of that survey, we will ask them what services or service will permit them to service more youth. And our goal is to connect those organizations or pro provide a platform for those youth organizations to connect so that they can service more people without uh, a financial burden to them because that service may well already exist that would assist them in servicing more youth or more people in general. And that is the general premise of this particular event. It's at the Mid-America Club, which is located in the Aon Building at 200 East Randolph on the 80th floor. It's a 360-degree view of the entire city going to be a nice function. We want to give these youth organiza organization leaders um, and staff a break. They work very hard at what they do, high-stress job, very important job. So we want you to call us at 312-239-8835 to RSVP as soon as possible. Uh, there's a limit on another number of people that we can have there, and those numbers are growing. But we certainly want you to join us. That's 312-239-8835. And we want you there to make the connection that will help you be successful in what you're doing to service our youth so that less and less and less can uh, will fall through the cracks, as I say. We can pick up as many as we can and give them the assistance that we need. Ron, we have a caller on the line from area code 562. Let's see if they'd like to come on. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. You're on the air. Caller from area code 562. Good evening. Hello? 
they get they get their hands on the button, but they may well be listening. Uh, you're listening to Black Wall Street USA. Uh, Mr. Muhammad is back on the line, but before we go back to Mr. Muhammad uh, from the Nation of Islam in L.A., I want to ask you a question, Ron. Now, uh, about two weeks ago, you did a live broadcast from Vaughn's Banquet Hall located at 6633 South Ashland in Chicago. Tell us a little bit about what was going on over there that evening, Ron. Well, naturally, that was the... Um a kickoff for the 17th Ward movement uh, to elect myself as the alderman of the 17th Ward. Um, it was a meeting. Um, I guess I'm in the Black Wall Street mode in whatever I do. Uh, it was structured similar to the uh, Black Wall Street where we had the input in the direction of Ward first, alderman second where naturally anyone that's running for uh, uh, public office, they have their vision, they have their focus, they have what they feel needs to be done is the reason why they step up to the plate. But even upon all of that, there still is an agenda that the ward is first and the alderman is second. Uh, and so that was the focus of this event. How can a um, we have this barrier where um, sometimes we just cannot be a, in my instance, I just cannot be a black news. I mean, I just can't be a newspaper man. It just so happens I'm a black newspaper man. Uh, sometimes, you know, even when we look at our president, Barack Obama, it just so happens he cannot just be the president of the United States. He got to be the black president of the United States. So that type of barrier that we have with race identification is definitely part of the political structure of this country. So the focus of the event was that, yes, we do need a black agenda. And so often uh, elected officials indicate all the things that they would do when they become elected, and they talk about the black uh, issues. But once they get in office, they do not have a black agenda. So our focus at that event was that upon being uh, elected, that we will actually carry a banner that says this is the black agenda in city council. And to the point that if Ron Carter is the only person that is talking about a black agenda in this city council, then it needs a, a, a base. And that base is not only from the 17th Ward, because an elected official, when they vote, they don't only vote for their particular ward or their district. They also vote to affect other wards as well. So we are, you know, it's no different than um, in cities Chicago. There is a partisan, it's a nonpartisan election, meaning that there's no Democrats, there's no Independents, there's no Republicans, there's no Green Party, Tea Party, nothing. Uh, is just basically an individual 
running on its own particular platform. Uh, but what we're going to be doing is carrying a black agenda to city council, and we're going to be looking at exactly how that agenda is affected based on the legislative actions of city council. So we want to have the the community to make sure that myself, Ron Carter, is actually carrying that black agenda throughout uh, my term in office, and how do we put the community in place to make sure that I do not sway off of that agenda. So that's the initial platform of the 17th War Movement, regardless of my own uh, agenda of what I think is good for the uh, for that particular ward of the 17th, is also what the people want, and beyond the people of the 17th Ward, there is the people of of a whole throughout Chicago, throughout black Chicago, that want some representation in city council that says this is the black agenda and we're going to stay uh, firm on that regardless of where a particular issue is. If it's on the north side, west side, east side, middle side of uh, of Chicago, uh, when it comes to a legislative process uh, through the city council, we're going to keep our eye on the black agenda. So that's what happened, and naturally it was a a meeting uh, to support and to push this candidacy um, for myself as alderman of the 17th Ward. Um, I have to be very humble in making this type of um, personal um, direction in my life because it is a um, a position that has to be, um, how can I put it, very sacred to our community. So many times that a elected official get e- get elected and they sway away from their, their from their base. A lot of times they sway away because of who backs their campaign politically. But we definitely are running a grassroots campaign with a grassroots agenda for a black agenda. So that's what happened. <laughs> How long ago was that? With so much things are happening. It um, is so many things. Know, that was just yeah, two weeks that was just two weeks. That's all. Right. And so since that time, we got a housing agenda meeting uh, coming up next Wednesday. We have a youth meeting coming up where we're going to have uh, the agenda of letting the youth know that they're going to have to step up to the plate. And some of those youth that have too much idle time, they get them in trouble. Uh, we have to develop a culture of identification. I mean, that means that in Inglewood uh, is known as the most uh, sometimes notorious and depressed uh, community in Chicago. Um, it gives me that challenge to turn that around and where Inglewood can be just as a uh, respected and culturally enhanced community as downtown Chicago. Uh, and naturally, we are 
covering and having a black Wall Street agenda for the Inglewood community as well. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Perdue with Ron Carter, publishing editor of South Street Journal, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and candidate for alderman of the 17th Ward. And for our listeners, I'm Sonia Perdue. And I just want to mention just briefly that, yes, Inglewood is one of the most economically depressed areas in Chicago. And, Ron, you you got your work cut out for you. But somebody's got to do it, and you're the person for it. I want <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> you like these challenges. The um, I want to. Uh, so you have uh, a few meetings coming up. One on November 23rd, and when are the other ones, Ron? Well, we have November the 23rd. We have. Um, uh, well, before that, we have May 17th, um, and which that's a housing meeting because we're going to be looking at exactly how we're going to get these uh, um, uh, these vacant properties occupied, how we're going to actually look at intimate domain law, how we're going to look at TIF money, and how we're going to actually pinpoint these properties, because these properties don't have to be vacant. They don't have to be. I don't believe that mortgage companies are running out of, out of money. I don't believe that people got money hidden under their mattresses or a lot of money have been burnt up uh, that we cannot have the finances necessary to get these properties occupied and also to stop the the special interest corruption that has been uh, putting our community at bay from political uh, special interests from zoning properties down from commercial to residential. That stops jobs. So those are things when we're going to have our youth meetings in different parts of the of that ward uh, and to the, um, how can I put it, to the, uh, to the safety, if I will, because our youth are still in this mindset that they cannot walk through certain areas, so we're going to deal with the convenience of having these ward meetings, and we're going to have these business meetings. So we're focusing on not what I want to do upon being alderman, is what we're doing now uh, to set the agenda prior to getting into office. Great. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA, and just wanted to say – where that meeting was held uh, a couple of weeks ago, that was Bond's Banquet Hall, which is located at 6633 South Ashland, and their telephone number is 773-424-6527, 773-424-6527, and you can visit their website at www.vonschicago, that's V-A-U-G-H-A-N-S, chicago.com, and it's gorgeous. And uh, if you're in Chicago, you should definitely consider them for your next upcoming event. Check out their website. I want to go back to the phone line and welcome uh, Mr. Eric Muhammad uh, from L.A. Uh, back on the air. Uh, Mr. Muhammad, you're back on the air. Uh, how long have you lived in L.A., Mr. Muhammad? Uh, born and raised here. Been here 51 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what is your business history? Uh, what is your background? 
Um, I'm a business professional. I work for, I manage the financial application department for the largest commercial real estate holder here in Los Angeles. That's just, you know, what I do. I, I would say my business background is a community activist for the last 25 years, working in the community, trying to help our community benefit from the teaching of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad under the guidance of the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. When I looked at the landscape in the world, the political, the social, economic landscape, and I had to make a decision, a religious landscape from my, from my perspective, I had to look and see where I could reach all of those um, optimally for myself, and I only found one place that allowed me to do that. It allowed me to understand who I am with relation to the world that I live in and how I could affect change in that world and still be happy about like what uh, my brother Ron said, you know, have a black agenda, have an agenda that's going to work for the benefit of me and my people, have an agenda that's going to say at the end of the day when God decides that he's going to put a period on my life, I can say that I worked for the upliftment of a people that no one else cared about, no one else decided that they wanted to do something good for. You know, a lot of us come in the name of one of your benefit. And we run on an agenda, but just like our brother said, he said, once we get in office, that agenda seems to go away. And other people seem to benefit. You know, the, the monies for for the good schools, even though we all pay taxes, seems to never reach those paying taxes in our community. So that's just a synopsis of my history. Okay. That, that's a wanna... synopsis of my history. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say uh, before you came on the air, before you signed into the uh, the switchboard, Ron and I were talking about that we've been on the air. Uh, we will be on the air again as of December the first. And I think that uh, when I was laughing, I said, "I don't keep jobs that long. I don't. I just don't do it." But I think that this is, uh, Mr. Muhammad, as you get to know us, one of the reasons why I do stick to this show. Because, and I've said this before on previous shows, uh, when men like yourself, men like Ron Carter, Michael Carter, and other people that we've talked to across the country who have been activists 20, 25 years doing what they do in their communities and different uh, pockets uh, at different economic levels, and they have different backgrounds, they have business backgrounds, but they also have been doing the same thing. They have a call to to work with and for the people. When they don't know each other, when they haven't crossed, and this could be the tool for them to communicate and bring them into the circle, then I know no matter that I'm tired, no matter that it's been a long, long day, then I know that what I'm doing is right. And I, w I just want to share that with you and thank you for being here with us this evening. Ron, uh, I'm going to turn the show back over to you. Go ahead. Right. right. Well, thank you, Sonia. Um, the the whole focus of the uh, the Black Wall Street, and then as I'm having my little reflections when I lived in Los Angeles, uh, and naturally I was an activist in Los Angeles as well, during the time that I was there. Um, is there a sense of uh unity? Uh is it a is it a hard knot to organize 
in Los Angeles. Uh, but I, I want to get a prelude to that, is that as we have been talking on our radio program for over the year, we have uh, witnessed that the issues in the black community is basically has been the same whatever major city uh, based on the black community being the um, the, the most representation in jail, uh, the highest in um, uh, dropouts among black youth, uh, the um, the lowest when it comes to being hired, and the the parity of prosperity of the black community is not equal to the other nationalities. Is that the case in Los Angeles? Brother, um, I would just say that what you find in Chicago, you find in Miami, you find in Houston, you find in Milwaukee, you find in Los Angeles, you find in Seattle, Washington. We have a 455-year history. We live in the most powerful economic country on the planet based off of a work of free labor for 400 years, 455 years, I can say, because even though we pay taxes, those taxes do not go to help our communities. We don't own the the storefronts that we um, work out of. So the system is set up as such. If it was not a system set up, then you would find a greater diversity in the numbers. You know, when you study a thing, you can come up with the correct answer by looking at the formulas that are applied. Um, I was looking at a program this morning, and it was called the Innocent Project. And the Innocent Project was a project that was based on men who had been uh, incarcerated but were innocent. Now, as I looked at the program that um, Barry Sheck has started, this program got people out of jail who had never been guilty of the crime. And if it wasn't for DNA, they would have never been in jail. But due to the system that's in place, they were put in jail unjustly. Now, in a, in a land where, and I'm using this as an example, in a land where you're innocent until proven guilty, we have men that have served 27 years of their life, 15 years of their life, on death row, getting ready to lose their life, in a system that says that you're innocent until proven guilty. Well, obviously these men did not get what the system says that it would provide it because when the DNA evidence came back after 27 years, they were found innocent. When you look at our sojourn here, you'll see that even though we're 12 to 13% of the population of America, We are disproportionately those who are incarcerated. Now, why would that be? Now, we know that in America there are communities that are are the major drug users. Now, we might find ourselves destroying our community with drugs, but we're definitely not the people bringing them in here because we don't have boats, planes. We barely got cars, and we definitely don't have any international connections to bring them in, or we will be doing other business. So when this thing's coming to our community, they, they come in for a reason. So the people who are in the system that don't represent 
our benefit can use us against ourselves. So, mm-hmm. yes, sir, I find exactly what you find in Chicago. You know, when I come to Chicago for Savior's Day and I go on the, uh, the over on, in the Cicero area and I'm riding around and I'm seeing over near the airport, you know, the plazas and the, the homes and the streets, and I get on the south side of Chicago, I see something totally different. Do those people pay a different rate of tax than the people who live on the south side? <laughs> they, pay the, they pay the same rate of tax. Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. You know? So, right. So in Los Angeles, just want to kind of get a landscape. Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. There, there is uh, here in Chicago, uh, again, I, uh, you may be repeating yourself based on my question. That's okay. But um, take for our community in Inglewood, uh, the area that I'm representing, uh, we have approximately – Mm, on our commercial strips, uh, approximately about uh, an average of four church uh, storefront churches per block in certain areas. Now, that's just in Inglewood, but that's also reflected on the west side of Chicago as well. And given that that same may reflect in different parts of Los Angeles as well, um does that have a reflection uh, as is systematic uh, that we will go more into the business of church than the business of business on our commercial strips? Um, and how has that happened that our issues are identical in L.A., Florida, New York, I mean, even to the point when I went to uh, New York uh, uh, last year, and we've seen masses of people um, in Harlem, but when I peeked in the stores in Harlem, I've seen other nationalities. So that's the same reflection in Chicago and L.A. with the churches and so how uh, do we blame this on ourselves or do we blame this on a systematic uh, racist society as it relates to the jail system or drugs? Or how do we identify the enemy? Is it within or outer that our conditions are where it is economically? Are you with me, Brother Muhammad? Hello? I'm not sure. He's still showing his being on the air. Let me see. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. Are you back, Mr. Muhammad? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Did you hear my question? Yes, sir. I got your question. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, brother, I have to go back to the system. The system is set up so... All that you see can be replicated in in every area of America. (laughs) I laugh because I want to go back to the description of what the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad made on the American flag. And he said that, I'll deal with two points. He said that on the flag, you find a field of blue. He said you can look into the sky all day long, you can fly up in the sky, but you never find anything blue. That blue represents a deceit. And that star represents justice, but since it's sits in the field of blue, 
you have 50 different types of injustice that we will receive in America. Now, the system in America has, has never, ever benefited us. It has never benefited us as much as we try to be a part of it, from slavery to emancipation to today with a black president. If there was a Jewish president in office, you would see uh, the Jewish community benefiting. Not to say that our President Barack Obama is not working on our behalf, but he has so many detractors that do not want to see our condition change that he will never be able to change it as long as they are in power. And the powers that be do not want to see that change. So we can never say that we are truly free until we have a land of our own and we are ruling ourselves for the benefit of ourselves. And that starts with just what you're doing with your run for alderman because those people in Inglewood are going to benefit from your guidance. They're going to benefit from being with you because your agenda is for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do we, even when we look at the elected uh, officials, maybe in, um, uh, in Los Angeles, is there a a representation of the elected officials that stress a black agenda in Los Angeles? Well, when you say black agenda, you're looking for someone who says, I'm going to do something for the betterment of our community. I think everybody comes with the intent to do that. It's all about what is your plan and what are, what, what are you striving to do. If we have an educational system problem, then we need to look at how do we change that problem. But when it's part of the overall uh, city of Los Angeles, you're in a, a suburb that has its own uh, district that you're running for. So we have a city here called Inglewood also. So we have a black mayor in that city. We have uh, black uh, council people in that city. And so they are working on behalf of the people in that city who look like them and others, who look like them and others that are going to benefit in that city. Until you take up what your parishioners need as your focus, which in Los Angeles, you know, the district I live in is a, is a, is a black area. We have black councilmen, the former uh, police chief here in Los Angeles. But the system is set up so much so that if you don't have good understanding of the system, then you will spend your time running, being pushed around by them or chasing your tail, so to speak, to where you get anything done. And that we engage. Okay. Brother Muhammad, you're breaking up on us. Are you still with us? Are you still with us? I think that Brother Muhammad is driving. His call just got dropped. Probably, I don't know if there's tunnels out there in L.A., but his call just got dropped. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. Let's take a break, Warren. We have about 15 minutes, and we'll come back and see if he's on the line. This is Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. I want you to come over and join us and touch the world. We're going to go right back to uh, Mr. Muhammad just in one moment. It's a people problem. That's you people. and me. It's so easy. But we could solve this confusion if we tried instead of shooting. Plus, there's no excuse when we have mouths that could use them for apologizing and acknowledging fault instead of falsely accusing, making threats, shouting, and verbally abusing. You see, we could blame race because it's easy and it's legal, but the one common denominator, people, is people. It's a people problem. People. 
Street USA. I'm Sonia Purdue with our host, Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. 
want to remind you in these last few minutes that all eyes are on the district on Saturday, December 4th for Black Wall Street's 15th Economic Summit at Prince Hall Masonic Temple, located at 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago. That will be held 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. We will be serving a continental breakfast and take a break for a lunch. And also, uh, this Tuesday, November 16th, we will be at the Mid-America Club in the Aon Building at 200 East Randolph on the 80th floor. Call us to RSVP 312-239-8835. Let's go back to our host, Ron Carter, uh, and our guest, Mr. Eric Muhammad, um, out of L.A. He just dropped his call again, Ron. Let's uh, let's, um, these last 10 minutes, I don't know if I said the final minutes, he disappeared, but uh, let's just uh, recap for one moment uh, what our callers can expect at the summit, and if he comes back on the line, we'll let him do some final remarks. Well, we will expect uh, what we normally do at each summit, that is uh, have an accountability of what we propose to do from the last summit what we have achieved um, moving into Summit 14. Uh, We will be looking at the big picture of Chicago as it relates to the year 2040 because we understand that when you plan for the year 2040, you're passing laws today to do the groundwork for the future. That includes how you allocate funding, how you allocate land, how you pass laws, how you uh, gerrymand a population, how you set the boundaries of ward representation, uh, not only ward but the congressional districts. All of these things play a part of city planning. So sometimes people will look at the effect of, well, that's the year 2040. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Uh, but it does because uh, the, the zoning as it relates to um, elected officials, are being decided today. So when you think you're going to go into business on 51st and and, um, and State Street and you acquire some land, but that land has been rezoned to benefit the year 2040, not the present. So we're going to be focusing on the the overall planning of city of Chicago, where we're going to have these mayoral candidates uh, at this summit to have some accountability. Naturally, we're going to be going into the uh, black contractors in the neighborhood. We got the youth agenda, uh, and we got the legislative agenda, and we got all eyes on the district and exactly how we're going to uplift these districts no different than Chinatown, Greektown, Little Village, so that when children of Chinatown at two years old, when they walk down Chinatown, they know where their community is, they know their people running, and they know that Lamb's Barbecue on the south side of Chicago is not coming on 22nd and Surmac in Chinatown because Lamb's Barbecue got enough respect that he ain't going to come into no neighborhood without going through that community National Guard. 
So that's the same way we're going to be looking at uh, Black Wall Street districts here in Chicago. If you come in the community, you got a National Guard you got to get through, and I'm being very kind of uh, cynical there, but that is how communities control their destiny so their people can benefit. So that's the essence of the Black Wall Street Economic Summit uh, 14 and looking at how we're going to influence Black History Month so that it just don't be a history lesson, but it be a history and implementation that's take us throughout the year 2011. Thank you, Mr. I think Carter. I did it? Did I give you enough time to talk? You gave me like two or three minutes, and that's good. Oh, I'm gonna okay. let Mr. Muhammad. <laughs> I'm gonna let Mr. Muhammad uh, give us his final remarks. Mr. Muhammad, you're back on the air. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you all for having me. Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to be a part of your show. Um, coming to know uh, my brother Ron Carter. And just by his words, you know, you make me want to leave L.A. and move to Inglewood, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel very good that I'm, that we are able to, I'm able to be able to represent an area where people say it's impossible to happen that we can have community control. So I'm, you know, I feel good about it. You know. Well, I, I, will, I will say this to you, brother. The the you know, God removed the impossible with the self-creation of, of himself. And Correct. he puts his spirit into men like yourself, into women like Sister uh, Purdue. And mm-hmm. I hope and I pray that we um, take your example that has been so marvelously presented to us and use the guidance of a divine man like the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, who is in your city, and yes. go ahead and do what we need to do for mm-hmm. our people, not only from a what can we do in America, but what God has in store for us as a people. Because only we can change our condition. God, the scripture says that God does not change the condition of a people unless they themselves first change. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the yes. only way that we can go ahead. Yeah. Well, the only way yes. we can change is is that the only way that we can change is that we get behind good leadership that has strong ideas for the benefit of the people that he is representing. There's nothing a matter with us having a black agenda. Everybody has their own agenda. Everybody looks out for the benefit of self because self-preservation is the first law of nature. So, again, I thank you. I hope and pray that you do win your election. I can't see anybody else winning because I don't think anybody else is bold enough, strong enough, or wise enough to run on an agenda for the people they represent except for yourself. And I know they well, have good representation in you. I, I appreciate your words, and I definitely want to say that whatever we can do um, from Chicago, um, and even if we can – I know Michael Carter is going to be coming to – L.A. the same way he went to San Diego to form that Black Wall Street district. Uh, but whatever we can do here in Chicago, uh, to a matter of fact, I'd be I love to come back to my second home. I really didn't think I was going to come back to Chicago, but 
when I left L.A. and I came to Chicago, I said goodbye, L.A., because the spirit hit me and said, hmm. So no offense against L.A., okay, but I definitely would want to lend whatever support we have here in Chicago uh, to give whatever support, even documentation, uh, our uh, template on how we move. Yes, we have had our issues, but we have stayed focused and uh, we want to be as supportive, uh, supportive as we can in helping the uh, Black Wall Street uh, District of L.A. And congratulations to you. Uh, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but you made it happen for L.A. And uh, I can imagine that conversation you had with Michael Carter. <laughs> well, I- I'll say this. You know, God has a way of, of moving in your life And when you truly notice Only God is going to change the situation He will bring you to a point Where you'll have to accept You know we, can, we can't all be like uh, We can't be Jonah any longer We have to accept the responsibility And step up to the plate Until someone else can come along And do the job better Just hold the line And mm-hmm. since there wasn't anybody here Moving us toward it um, You know I would hope that Almighty God will bless me. I will talk to the Honorable Louis Farrakhan when I get the chance to get some guidance from him, of course. And, brother, mm-hmm. I gladly accept all of the guidance that you can give me from the magnificent example that you have already there in Chicago. So mm-hmm. I will be calling you regularly. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I, I will appreciate be calling it. my sister, sister, sister Purdue regularly. Mm-hmm. And I will be using Thank your you. guide because there's no sense in trying to reinvent the wheel when you all obviously have it rolling. Well, let me Thank tell you, you so Sonia is now the um, we have operated on a volunteer operation for the last three years, but we have found a little stipend money uh, that Sonia is our executive director. So I hope that you find you another Sonia in L.A. Well, you know, God, God brings those to you who you need, especially when you're living in the advent of his coming. And so mm-hmm. I believe that if I'm steadfast and I take the example that you've given and I look out for those who are in the community and not looking for something for myself but only for the benefit of those, I can only see God using me as a tool yeah. for him to benefit us so we can move on into the future as a whole people not a partial people with a, a great destiny and a great future. I'm not going to say that uh, the country that we live in's future is so great, but while we're here, we got to make the best and do the best that we can. <laughs> yes, correct. Mm-hmm. So thank I'll you say so much. Thank you, thank you very much. And y'all have, you know, thank you for having me. Um, thank you for making me feel so comfortable. Um, it's a blessing, and I'm just, whereas I was trepidatious yesterday after Michael's call, I can see the blessing of God being bestowed on me with the favor to be able to work for our people and serve them. Very Thank good. you so much, Very Mr. Good. Muhammad. We appreciate you joining us this evening. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Purdue, co-host with Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. And, Ron, we're down to 30 seconds and uh, been a great show, and we appreciate oh, yeah. uh We appreciate Mr. Muhammad taking the time, and we look forward to uh, connected with him over and over again, and uh, with this, 
we look forward to him bringing uh, those that he work, works with out there back to the show again so that we can continue this communication, not only in L.A., but across the country. Ryan, thank you so much once again, uh, and I look forward to talking to all of you. We'll be back next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Ron, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Have a great evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Good night, all.